Hey, I'm Ben Silverio. And I'm Aaron Klein. And I'm Ansel Birch, your host in post. And, and it's time, time to party! We are not doctors and we don't give medical advice. Please drink responsibly. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to this, our third episode, the edutainment section. As you have probably guessed, and as I have told you in the other episodes before this, there will be a dip in quality coming up in this episode. We recorded these out of order, and one of us, me, had a really bad mic at the time, and so our quality <laughs> suffered. <laughs> but our content is still awesome. We hope that you enjoy this. This is our edutainment section, and we will be experiencing this drop in quality in three, two, one. Welcome back, everybody. It's time for the Let Us Edutain You section. <laughs> you might learn <laughs> something while being you, entertained. Guess what? You're going to learn something. <laughs> Whether you want to or not. I took a lot of notes. You took a lot of notes? I took like a page and a half of notes. <laughs> oh, wow. I'll, I'll start. We'll start with mine. Yeah, let's start with yours. <laughs> All right. So in case you didn't listen to the other two episodes and you're just joining us for edutainment, thanks. Thanks for joining us. We're talking about <laughs> Bill and Ted 2 Bogus Journey. Again, I don't know why you're only joining us for edutainment, but I appreciate you as a person <laughs> and the choices that you're making. You're definitely Aaron's kind of person if you just join us for this. Absolutely. If you're like you know what i want to listen to first edutainment like you made a great choice we could be friends <laughs> all right so the way that the edutainment section works is that we each pick a piece of technology or something that we want to learn more about while we're watching the movie and then we do a shallow dive not a deep dive no. not an olympic diving pool not at all this is no, like no. a kiddie pool dive we're just like let's wade in it's hot yeah. let's just like cool off a little in this edutainment section i can barely swim to begin with so diving is really yeah. i mean i can float i can you know Okay. I'm not going to die in water, you know. My husband can't swim at all. He doesn't even know how to uh, tread water, so he Ooh. would die in water. So you've got Damn. to one-up on somebody. I That's know, fair. right? We met, and I was like, I used to be like a states-level swimming champion, and my husband can't swim. Wow. Opposites yeah, attract. Very, very I, I refuse to teach him. Now nah, you're on your own, bro. <laughs> well, I was like, it comes so naturally to me when we were dating. I was like, I don't want to try to teach you how to do this and have you be like, wow, I hate your personality when you're trying to teach me how to do this thing. And I was like, I don't want to try to teach you how to do this and have you be really awful at it and be like, I can't date this person anymore. <laughs> so now that we're married, like, I guess maybe I could be like, all right, well, it's time for you to learn. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's a, uh, it's not that uncommon to not know how to swim. So yeah. I just did not know that you were not a swimmer. Nah, not really. I'm more of a lazy river kind of guy. Oh, perfect. We can go down a lazy river of edutainment. <laughs> and just flow Full along. circle. Right? Exactly. Just hop in this inner tube, step into our river of edutainment, and float along down. <laughs> I love where this is going. Fantastic. All right. Well, the place that we're going for mine, obviously, we're going to talk about phone booths. Wow. I did not think you were going to go there. That's awesome. Really? Oh, yeah. man. But also, I thought that you saw the first movie, so I figured that was... Yeah. That was have been associated with that but <laughs> exactly i also thought i had seen the first movie so you know the it was a learning experience for all of us uh yeah i because i don't i've never seen the first one as we talked about in the last two episodes what's up edutainment people if you didn't know that either i've never seen the first bill and ted so yeah i i wrote down i was like i don't really understand how these mechanics work for the time travel because i don't really understand what's going on with the phone booth but the phone booth obviously got my attention because i don't really understand what's happening with it and so i was like well i don't know what's happening in bill and ted phone booths so i'm gonna look up what happened in real world phone booths because i have lots of questions <laughs> so here's a here's a fun fact when do you think the give me a year 
What year do you think the first phone booth appeared? Um, man, so, God, I feel like I should know when, like, uh, what's his name, Alexander Graham Bell uh, made his phone. It had to have been, like, I don't know, 50 to 100 years after that? So, uh, I don't know. I'm going to guess 19... 1910. 1881. I'm sorry, what? Way, way older than I thought it was. I, same, I was like, yeah, it's gotta be like the very beginning, like Mary Poppins time, right? At the beginning of the 20th century. Incorrect. No, 1881 was the first one that was installed. The first telephone booth, so like an enclosed booth. Alexander Graham Bell was 1876, so that makes sense. It's only like five years later. Like They're wow. like, here's a telephone, let's make it easily acceptable or easily accessible. So the first one is installed in Berlin. Uh, the way that the telephone booth worked until the coin-operated one was that you had to buy a paper ticket at like a convenience store, and then you exchange that in order to like talk for a couple of minutes. So it seems like a super weird system for people who have like ever used it phone now in like the current days that was january 12 1881 and then they switched over to coin operated in 1899 the first coin operated one was invented by an american named william gray in 1889 only eight years after the first one was introduced people were like these tickets they're not working we have got to do something else here let's figure out how to use all these coins and so they switched over to coin operated ones uh london did London, you're closer with that one. London didn't get their first phone boxes, which is weird because you think of London as a place that has a lot of phone boxes. Like right. it's very, it's part of British culture, especially yeah. obviously with Doctor Who and like the visual of it is very British. People think of like, ooh, a blue phone box. Okay, I know what this is. They didn't get them until 1903. So like well after paper tickets were already gone. That it was 22 years after a phone booth was introduced into Berlin that London finally got one, wow. which I think kind of like makes sense too when you think about the fact that they installed them and started later with phone boxes and they're still everywhere. Britain's one of the only countries that still like has a lot of phone booths and it's because it's written into their laws that if you remove a phone booth, there has to be another one within 400 walking meters and that's still a thing that they do today, which is bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> it's super super weird. Other countries that still use and like fe like federally guarantee phone booths is Australia. Australia has uh, a law with the national phone company Tel Telstra, T-E-L-S-T-R-A, that they have to make them reasonably accessible to all people in Australia. So it's not even like legal citizens of Australia. It's if you're in Australia, you need to be able to reasonably access a payphone box anywhere that you go, basically. So I don't know exactly what the miles are, but like close enough to reasonably access. That's still a thing that happens in Australia today, which is crazy. Like, Phones are not around in the United States anymore. No. It's not a thing that you see, like, ever. There's only four left in Manhattan, and all of those only make outgoing calls now. They can't even receive calls. And they're mostly set up so that they can be Wi-Fi hotspots, which is how most phone booths, that was, like, the way that they went, is that Verizon started creating a, a system where you could, like, hook into the phone booth to use, like, a computer, or you could use a Wi-Fi system. And eventually that morphed into their EVOD service, where you can, like, get Wi-Fi more generally accessible. So it's interesting to think that a phone booth 
started that wave towards public Wi-Fi too. It's a constantly evolving technology that you don't think of as an evolving technology. You're just like, oh, I don't need a phone booth. We don't have to think about these anymore. But they contributed to the rise of public Wi-Fi because people understood that having them around and accessible was really important, which yeah. I just find fascinating. Like the the decline of payphones started in the United States in the 1970s. They started to like pull away from having closed phone booths. So by the time you get to Bill and Ted in the late eighties and early nineties, phone booths really aren't even that common in the United States anymore. Like they're really only found in like gas stations (laughs) and in a place that you like need to be inside of a phone booth because they started to switch to kiosk versions. Like you, you still see those now, in fact, they're purposely still around in the United States because they want people to be able to use them for emergencies. And so often in airports and hotels, you can still find a pay phone, but not like a pay phone telephone box. Yeah. So it's it's interesting to me that they chose a phone booth, a piece of technology that had already started to fade in order to use it as this like piece of time travel technology. It kind of feels like the DeLorean almost, where it's right. like, here's this thing that feels really cool and futuristic if you look at it like totally removed from our cultural history but at these moments that these movies were made they had already started to become defunct pieces of technology so i I find it really interesting that they they like push these things together also i found this really interesting one of the reasons the united states started to get rid of of booths and started to go towards kiosks was because of access because like if you think about it you can't really use a phone booth if you're in a wheelchair or if you have like a big piece of um, equipment that you need to help you get around or like if you can't get into the phone booth at all like you mm-hmm. can't reach it like it's I find it very interesting like the Americans with Disability Act changed a lot of our lives in ways that we just like take for granted and don't really think about today yeah. and I found it interesting that even just in this shallow dive like here is a piece of our American life that was really impacted by this piece of legislation that was really necessary clearly like Mm -hmm. if you were just like existing in the 70s and 80s as a person who was disabled and at a time where there were not cell phones and this was the only way you could get help or call people it makes sense that we like moved in order to make our country more accessible i thought that was pretty cool that that was like a in in addition to like having cell phones be ubiquitous now basically i think it's also great that the ones that are around still are accessible to people because that's what happens in poverty too. other people who don't have cell phones. Like you still need this kind of access too, And so they're around in the United States still to deal with that kind of stuff. Um, I found it interesting that in Norway, they've mostly gotten rid of all of their phone booths except for 100, which are saved under cultural heritage laws. And so they'll always be around, which is <laughs> like a weird thing to think of as like a person who used phone booths and like as a kid still used a payphone every once in a while. Yeah. That it's now like a culturally protected thing. Like there's a law that they can't get rid of it because like here's this old. It's like Disney's house. Like you can't yeah. get rid of Disney's house because it's culturally protected and like phone booths are in Norway. I just find that very interesting. Uh, yeah, uh, that's that's my rundown on phone booths around the world <laughs> from the last several centuries but yeah i was really surprised i knew there was going to be a lot of interesting stuff about phone booths in particular not just phones but like i love that bill and ted use this and the people who watch these movies today like my youngest sister has never seen a phone booth in real life she's only ever seen them in like movies and pieces of technology or as like when you go to disney they have like fake ones right but like they've never used a phone booth before and so that you can like watch a movie like this and feel very connected to like what the fuck is that and is this experience this like um 
it's this opportunity to like learn more too i think it's very interesting it seems kind of to pull into the idea of bill and ted of like just accept it yep. <laughs> here's this thing and like times have changed and things are different but like here's this thing and we're making the best of it so that's me that's that's my lazy river of edutainment wow. this Man. is more like an adventure river in that i kind of threw a lot of shit at you all at Absolutely. once but you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting to me also that like before bill and ted introduced their phone booth uh phone booths in american culture were mostly seen as places where superman can get changed yes mm-hmm. you know like that it wasn't even like thought of as like oh right i could use this to call someone it's just like oh cool this is a place where superman can use it or uh sometimes people use it to go to the bathroom when they're drunk but yeah <laughs> <laughs> I found but, it interesting like the reason that they have um clear panels is because they wanted it's not to like keep people from doing stuff like that. It was literally just a visual to let someone know that they're busy, which like uh, makes a lot of sense, but like in our current time it's like oh duh. That's such an easy answer for why right. they do those things. The technology that I was focusing on was robots cuz watching Station build the good Bill and Ted's was really interesting to see all the different Uh, pieces of technology that they use to bring uh, the good Bill and Ted to life. So I just did like a quick search to see if there was anything interesting going on in robotics right now. And I found this article about Toyota um, using uh, different prototypes for, uh, for household usage for robots, you know. And in Japan, the houses are a lot uh, smaller, you know, like the, the apartments are are very compact they have a lot of things that like pop out of stuff or pull out of stuff to make things more convenient right so to have like a robot like a robot vacuum or you know some other kind of robotic apparatus wouldn't be practical so they're messing around with this technology that puts robots on the roof of the apartment and it like glides along like the top so that it clears out the bottom so like in the kitchen like there's like a robotic arm that can come down and like do the dishes or some shit you know oh, like i hate that what kind of hellscape nightmare is that <laughs> shit <laughs> I, like i'm trying to think i'm thinking of like the jetsons like crazy yeah. shit just like robots everywhere doing stuff but like yeah, yeah they're playing with this idea of oh, using the man, ceiling that, that's I mean, I guess it totally makes sense. Like, where the fuck else are you going to put stuff? It makes sense that you have this, like, basically blank canvas above you if you're not already hanging stuff from it. Oh, man. It kind of reminds me of, um, oh, my God, uh, the Blade Runner, the second one, the one with Ryan Gosling. He oh, has yeah. that, like, thing that floats up at the top that also is his girlfriend. Unclear. Uh, he falls in love <laughs> with this AI, I guess. Uh, spoiler if you've never seen the second Blade Runner, I guess. Uh, I think that becomes very clear early in the movie. But, yeah, that, like, idea of this thing that, like, hovers above you, there's kind of that, um, that similar thing. It's different but similar in the second back to the future they had like the fruit tray that comes yes. down that like exists up on the the ceiling as well uh yeah i guess that does that is like a thing that occurs in future think like where the fuck else are you gonna put stuff yeah because just the idea of like i'm just picturing like a claw robot arm like like a claw machine <laughs> like the game coming down i have been chosen the claw you're right like coming down towards you and it's like <laughs> leave me alone i'm not done with this class yet 
Well, I was reading this article. It seemed like the evolution from Tony Stark's like robotic arm that had like wheels that would like follow him around and he calls it dummy, you know, like help him in the workshop, you know, like so instead of having like the the robotic arm on his workstation or mobile on the floor, having it on the ceiling seemed like a good evolution of that. But also I have like nightmares of that robot arm coming down and choking me while I'm trying to do the dishes. So, you know, it's cool, but scary. It seems menacing. See, that's why we all need the arms on a backpack like Dr. Octopus, you know, just make them not evil and uh, they can help come around to the front. Yeah, (laughs) that's fine. (laughs) We can't get like Doris from Meet the Robinsons either. That's no, no. Not acceptable. <laughs> Again, weird robotic arms that are like, ha coming to get you. <laughs> oh, please don't. Please don't eat my brain. This ended up being more terrifying than I thought it would be to read this article about <laughs> robots. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was an enjoyable trip down the lazy river of entertainment. <laughs> yes. I uh, hope that that was entertaining and educational for you. I hope that tied into Bill and Ted's bogus journey in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this it is a lot sure of fun. did. Robots, payphones. That's basically the whole movie. That's basically the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> also, I'm sure both robots and payphones are people's, some people's personal hell, which then would literally be the whole movie. So there you go. Yeah, there you go. Covered Ta-da! it all. <laughs> we, all we need is George Carlin, and uh, we'd be set. Thank you for joining us for that edutainment episode of Time to Party the only show we know of asking the big questions about payphone booths and freaking out about the robot-filled future before us. I'm the producer, your host and post, Ansel Birch. We had a little extra time on this episode, so while we recorded the fresh beginnings and endings for this month's episodes, we also decided to give you a little behind-the-scenes info. When we started out this project more than a year ago now, there wasn't a pandemic on in the States that we knew of, so we thought we'd be recording in person. Over the course of the 10 episodes we recorded for Season 1, we did one test episode for Hot Tub Time Machine. We also tried to do a socially distanced recording where we were outside. That was Meet the Robinsons. Neither of those ended up being up to our standards or weren't quite yet in the right form. Those are going to be bonus episodes at the end of the season. As a result, we started doing digitally recorded episodes over the internet. It took some trial and error, but we figured it out. So, you can hear us learning how to do it over the breadth of the season. So that's a little about the recording side of things. Ben and Aaron, how do you prepare for the recordings? That's a really good question. Well, um, initially, when we had first come up with this, the idea was to get really drunk and really high (laughs) while watching the movie. Um, And as you'll hear throughout the season, we we scrapped that pretty quickly. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, which which of the early recordings was I just like so drunk and just laughing? Hot tub time machine. Hot tub time machine. Hot tub time machine. Hot tub time machine. <laughs> and so I both were like, we know. We got the kids ready to go. Yes. Well, we were sober. Yeah, exactly. Because we weren't drinking. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we realized that wasn't a great idea. Yeah, it's part of the idea was for my other podcast, uh, Not Your Demo, used to be like this and extracts specifically too we recorded person because part of that show is about the experience of watching a show with your friends whereas with this one we found that we didn't really need that to watch them all together and then record immediately afterwards i feel like it actually helped a lot to be able to watch them on our own time and like write down our own notes and be able to come and be like prepared for the structured conversation which like isn't how we envisioned the show being 
but has worked really well. I feel mm-hmm. like we really benefited from having to figure it out to like re- to completely change our plans for how we were going to do this. I feel like we, like Ansel said, we really grew and we like really learned how to make this show our own. Yeah. Yeah. So once we made that switch, I just, I just got a notebook. <laughs> I also have a notebook. We both take physical notes. <laughs> That's so funny. Most people take digital. I can't take digital notes. I will not I pay attention to it's whatever hard. I'm doing. It's really hard. It's hard enough to take physical notes. Yes. Uh, I use Google Keep on my phone. I'll, I'll say it. <laughs> well, you're fancy and you can have a screen. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, uh, like I, I even keep tally of how many times my rules come up. Like mm. while I'm watching the movie. That's smart. Like. I appreciate that you have a tendency to watch the movie more than once, too. I do. Yes. Often I will watch it twice just to get all my thoughts in order. And and it was it was more of a an accident with uh, Palm Springs because I just loved it so much that I wanted to watch it again. Nice. <laughs> but I, ha- I have definitely watched a number of these more than once. I do not. I only watch them once. <laughs> <laughs> I'm one of those people who's like, if I watch this twice, I'll be bored with it. And then I won't want to talk about it. So it's like, I watch it once. I take my notes <laughs> and then I'm like ready to, for the conversation. That's fair. That's fair. Keep it all the good stuff for the recording. <laughs> yeah. I also do. I take my notes beforehand. I only want, I only watch it once, but I also, I don't do my edutainment segment until the day that we record. And then I spend like a dedicated hour before our recording session where I do all of my research for, oh. I, I find that it helps me uh, keep better track of what I want to do. And sometimes like it also by the time constraints I give myself helps me uh, not write eight pages of notes. Cause I already like have the longest segment by far every single time. <laughs> so I find that doing it beforehand helps a lot that it will uh, keep my notes down <laughs> and hopefully keep my segment length down a little bit. I feel like it probably also legitimately like keeps you more excited about it too. Yeah. Like you, you always come in super jazzed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's I like get to start the process of like getting ready to talk about it and starting my like creative thought process about what I want to talk about uh, beforehand. Cause I, I need that. That's like with extracts and NYD, we also take like 15 to sometimes even an hour before a recording and like get our energy levels up and start talking about other stuff to get like, jazzed and ready to go so i i found that the edutainment prep right before we record has helped me in that like ramp up process too trying to think what i can add about edutainment because like when we say shallow dive i really take a shallow dive into a lot of these (laughs) things because i'm sure this was the episode where we said that the first time yeah it it was really yeah, this is the one where you're, like, realizing it. <laughs> Hilarious. See, it all comes full circle. Full circle. <laughs> I heard you realizing it, and I was like, oh. <laughs> Listen, I couldn't swim for a long point in my life, and then the shallow end was, was all I had. So. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> You're not going to cause bodily injury to yourself by yeeting yourself into something that you're un- that's unprepared to catch you. <laughs> Man, I wish uh, little me knew that when I was in the Philippines and I jumped in a hot spring. Ooh. 
<laughs> Why did you do that? <laughs> it looked fun. Everyone was having fun and it didn't oh. look deep. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> like two of well, my I, uncles I, I, had to jump in after me. <laughs> oh, my God, Ben. <laughs> Stuff happens, well, I'll, I'll you know? Do, I'll do you one better. In, in Canada, in the, in the middle of a uh, Boy Scout trip to uh, the, the um, board, uh, Boundary Waters, uh, we all decided to jump off of a cliff. Oh, uh, and you know that thing where they, where your mom says, if all your friends jumped off a cliff, would you? The answer apparently is yes. Yes, the answer is always <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> the answer is yeah. definitely yes. Uh, and in my defense, my dad did it immediately before me. I would like to put that out there. But uh, uh, what I neglected to do was take my glasses off first. Oh, no. So I lost... I lost my glasses in Knife Lake two days into a 14-day trip. Oh, no! Oh, my God! Oh, man. It's not ideal. Have you ever since then traveled without some kind of backup eyewear? Do you travel with that? Constantly. Really? I I still I have learned nothing from this experience. Oh, my God. I could never. (laughs) I'm... I have lost one pair of glasses and it was when I already had 15 other pairs and I still am like, where is this pair of glasses? I have to find it. (laughs) But I'm, I'm prepared when I travel. I'm like, I have to bring a pair of contacts and at least two backup glasses in case the absolute worst thing happens and I lose and break them. I don't even wear contacts anymore. And I bring them just in case something happens to all four of the glasses I brought. (laughs) Wow, I should probably get another pair of glasses. You only have one? <laughs> I'm just way more attentive to where I have put them. That is that is the thing I learned from it, was like, uh, yes, I am aware of them being here, and I take them off. <laughs> oh, man. Mine are just like... But I also haven't jumped off of any cliffs since then, so, yeah, you know. That's fair enough. Uh, I've only the, the, jumped off of one cliff as well, and my dad's husband did it right before I did also. So You guys are nuts. Jumping off cliffs? Oh, my God. It was so much fun. To water? It was great. Oh, yeah. The, it was super fun. I was, I, was, a, I, I was a really strong swimmer. I, like, swam competitively for a long time, and so I wasn't worried at all. My, my sister Megan was like, fuck you. I'm not doing that. So she's the one among us who's like, yeah, deuces. I'm not jumping <laughs> off that shit. I remember talking to Warwick about this when we were watching Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Like, I'm afraid that what happened to Jason Segel in that movie would be me. Like, I would jump and then I wouldn't make it far enough and I'd be stuck on the cliff and would have to push myself out. (laughs) To be clear, it's not a good idea, but it is super fun. Not great. (laughs) (laughs) But but there was one instance where I thought it would have been or, well, later on, in hindsight, it would have been nice to have a backup pair of glasses. Um, I got punched in the face by my friend's drunk then-boyfriend. Um, yeah, so I could have totally used another pair of glasses in that moment. Uh, but I still made it home with one, oh. I think. Uh, no, wait, that was a different time. That was at Warp Tour, when I had one, fr- uh, one of them missing. But... Yeah, getting punched in the face and having your glasses broken is a good excuse to carry back a pair. Yeah. yeah. They're so cheap now. Like, you can get a pair of glasses online for, like, legit $7. They're so inexpensive. I mean, you can. Well, fair. <laughs> I mean, I have a pretty bad astigmatism. It's all about where you buy it from. Like, if you go to, like, Zlul or Zenny or iBuyDirect, like, you can find really cheap glasses. Like, these only really? cost me $9 with the lenses. Wow. Okay, I'll have to try again, because last time I went looking... 
like it was yeah the frames were great and if i had normalized then yeah you could absolutely get them for 10 bucks because i have an astigmatism as well yeah every it's always oh but for you 200 oh yeah no i've been i've been able to find some pretty good deals even with i have like a, a medium astigmatism and it's worse in one eye than the other so i think that that also helps that one of them is a little more Ditto. normal might be able to find yeah, some good mine's ones. yeah yeah, I'll have to look again because, man, I, I got burned a couple of years ago and I was like, well, never again will I think it applies to me. <laughs> yeah, I would try um, I buy direct. The frames are a little more sturdy and so they're a little more expensive. But like my most expensive pair from that site was only like 36 bucks. They're still pretty cheap. And then with totally Zenny, worth they're it. more for like I, I'll buy those for like emergency backups. So like they're they're more plastic. They're a little bit more like malleable. Uh, they're not as great of quality but the lenses are fucking amazing and the lenses are cheaper on zenny than they are on iBuyDirect. so pick your poison whichever you're more invested in i guess <laughs> so hey i mean yeah and at that point you can just buy three exactly. in case one of them yeah yeah exactly in case, in, ca in case you lose them after jumping off a cliff or get punched in the face oh <laughs> <laughs> um, all right we should wrap up this episode we this, should the third this the third edutainment section uh, you can find us on the internet, everyone. I'm on Instagram at NYDUrgency. On Instagram and Twitter, I'm at BSilverio20. I'm at Indecisionist on Twitter and the Indecisionist on Instagram. Special thanks to April Moralba for our podcast art and to Marlon Longit of Marlon the Shakes for our amazing music. You can interact with us on the internet using the hashtag time to party that's time the number two party and party people as this episode comes to an end we want to leave you with the immortal words of our saviors bill and ted be excellent to each other and party on dudes it was Airmen. a whole symphony of <laughs> air instruments all at once just in case you're curious what that was <laughs> Uh. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>